Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. We are a brand new podcast that dives into the stories of people's lives. Everyday people like you and me, or even famous people throughout history. We will even tackle the fictional from time to time too. But we also want to get you, the listener, involved. We want to hear your stories. Things that may have happened to you, a friend, a family member, or even a random neighbour of yours. Something funny, something random, something awkward. Let's just try and avoid the sad stuff, shall we? Send your stories to thetrueandthefictional at gmail.com. Send it in writing, an audio clip, or even request to come on the show. Just make sure it's actually true, because that's what makes a story so interesting. Until we have a nice collection of stories from you, the listener, we're going to dive into some of the entertaining true stories from modern history and beyond. So strap in, especially if you're driving. It's story time. So, um, yeah. It's just been April Fool's Day recently. So this is our delayed April Fool's Day episode. Um, Ryan, have you known anything for April Fool's ever before? Not really. I fall victim to a lot of stuff, I, especially this year, especially as I'm getting older. I'm falling victim to a lot more stuff. Like uh, Sydney Zoo posted up uh, about a new species of snakes. I love snakes. Oh, wow. Uh, but they called it a black belly red snake. And they even inverted the colours of the red belly black snake to... They inverted it so it looked like a brand new thing. And they said it was spotted just behind the zoo. And I got really excited. And then I actually read (laughs) down and it said April Fool's. Yeah. Because it was a beautiful looking snake. But yeah, so I I tend to be very gullible. and Well, I I saw um, one of the reptile parks um, had a... Oh, the, ad, ad, ad for families. Elvis, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, Australian Reptile Park up in Gosford. Yeah, you're, you're now allowed to take photos in the enclosure with Elvis the yeah. crocodile, um, and and it said what happens happens. Yeah, and then but when you actually click on the link, it goes book your tickets here. You click on the link, and it, and then it was just like, yeah, April Fools, <laughs> but no way. And <laughs> I wonder how many people actually believed it, because. Probably a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, someone might have thought, this is a fantastic way to get rid of my spouse and not have to worry <laughs> about child support. But yeah, that's. I did see that one and I thought that was pretty funny. But I knew that one was fake. I wasn't that, yeah. quite that gullible. But yeah. some people go well, along. Like, I think EB Games did a whole range of um, new Xbox uh, X and PlayStation 5 games. Like, there was a game, Make Your Own Spaghetti. Yeah. or um, Daria or something like that and people fell for it and yeah. they went as far as you can actually click and hit pre, pre-order pre and then when you got to the checkout it yeah. said April Fool's yeah. so I think that's pretty funny yeah well look, the problem with being here in Australia um, we're always a day ahead of America yes so you, yes. you forget that April Fool's Day is over and yes. then it's still on in yes. America and then they start posting stuff and you're like what and you think it's real but then you got to yep no that happened to me yesterday many times many different yeah. announcements got dropped yesterday and I thought oh on some uh, yeah yesterday yeah yesterday yeah. Friday and um, I was like oh wow that's amazing and then I had to actually <laughs> think hold on go into the link 
and have a look at it first. Yeah. So yeah, that did happen. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm very gullible. So please don't take advantage of that. <laughs> please. Yeah. No. Um. Well, I've had now these aren't extensively um, April Fools, but I've done a lot of practical jokes in my younger years <laughs> of of um yeah ridiculous stuff. I think um I would have been mid teens. Now, if you've listened to the first episode, I was a ninja, so probably before I was a ninja. Um, we used to, um, me and some friends, ring random numbers and convince them that they'd won MX5s in like, some special giveaway. Um, we even went to the point of finding out who the manager of the local oh, Mazda Lux name was. <laughs> I can imagine that. They, they weren't too happy. They probably got bombarded. We couldn't drive, so we didn't know, but, like, <laughs> I think we rang four numbers. Three of them were like, oh, my gosh, wow, what And one guy was like, right. <laughs> uh, and how did I... And, and was like, well, I'm the manager, David. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was David. We can't remember, but, um, yeah, that was... yeah. But you, we couldn't see the end result of it. It was mm. just, like, you know... You could have broken... What if that person had sold their car and gone, oh, fantastic, I can... Someone's actually just inquired about my car. I can sell yeah. it to them now. And then they go down to the dealership and they're like, no. Wow. No, we didn't, we didn't think that through. No, we, we, didn't, were just, we were just kids. And I think, yeah, around the same age, I think I think I had a very pra- practical joke year. But um, back in the 90s, <laughs> showing my age here, a lot of TVs had the same remote. Like, yes. rem- remotes would work on a lot of tele- yes, televisions of the correct. same design. Yeah, as so, long as you had the same TV, yeah. you could use them. Even the same brand sometimes. Yeah. So our next-door neighbour was a cricket tragic. <laughs> but he would scream at the television and get all violent and going, Come on! <laughs> so we got at the right angle, and as soon as soon as soon as the guy bowled the ball... And the bat goes back. We turn his TV off. <laughs> I think we only did it once or twice because he was getting really, really, really violently angry. <laughs> so we're like, okay, that's that's. A oh bit too no! Much. Oh, I can tell you, if that happened in my my household, that someone would have died. I think because yeah, wow, yeah, wow, that's not very nice. Yeah, no, but um, still funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But um, I, th- I think one of my favourites, this is the one I put the most effort and thoughts thought into, was um, we convinced this kid that there were dinosaurs in, in, in my town of Bowen Mountain. Um, <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> no, but, okay, so this, this, is, this is before cell phones and iPhones and all that stuff. <laughs> but, so we had this Jurassic Park book, which was like the making of, right? So we take a photo with with the old, you know, um, develop, you know, the, the camera with film, ca- yeah, camera with film. We take a photo of that. We get it. We go down to the shop to get them developed, and I think I think from memory we somehow got it in black and white, and we ripped the photo a little bit, dirtied it up, and found this old briefcase, and we buried it down the bush and made fake papers and notes of this guy's research and. And and this is pretty elaborate. <laughs> it was very elaborate, and it was very worth it. Um, <laughs> we're going. Oh, let's all just go for a bushwalk. Yeah, so conveniently go, to yeah. this one location. No, no. So we go down the bush, 
and we'd gotten ripped clothes and um, like we re- re- someone was like, "Oh, let's get tomato sauce." And I go, "No, but if this guy is from way back when, yeah, it would have gone. It yeah, would have been. Yeah, it would have been." So I go, "Oh, what's?" I think we really had to gesture the kid to look. We're like, "What's that?" You know, and then like he's like, "Oh, oh it's a t-shirt." Oh. Um, yeah, and anyway, so we we basically gesture him to this briefcase and we open it up and it's got all the stuff in it and then he's like what? and then and then so we just casually walk back towards the house and we do the throw a rock in the bushes thing and then he just ran home like just like ah! wow and that young boy is Chris Pratt <laughs> no not quite because he's <laughs> older than me um, but he yeah I think the next day the kid's like there's no dinosaurs here my mum said there's no dinosaurs it, and then he just goes, "That's what your mum would want you to believe." Yeah, I think that's that's where it ended. Look, it, it was it was pretty funny. It may have been a little bit mean, but a little. That kid probably doesn't <laughs> sleep properly anymore. He probably well, has thousands. He doesn't. Thousands. He doesn't live on Bone Mountain anymore. Well, so. yeah, because he doesn't want dinosaurs. He probably lives somewhere closer to his therapist now that you caused him to have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of therapy. Then I better not name his name on this. Don't name his podcast. name. Well, I can't even remember it. It was that yeah. long ago. Wow. Wow. But yeah, that, 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 that's my string of practical jokes. My childhood seems very boring now, considering I never really did anything like that. Yeah, but I, I grew up in whoop whoop, in the middle of nowhere. There was, you had to kind of... With criminals, as we established last year. Yeah, but they were poor, they were poor criminal, <laughs> criminals. Mm. Um, oh, man. Yeah. But um, anyway, why don't we crack into some... Practical jokes throughout history. Um, Ryan, do you want to let us know about the very first documented practical joke? Yes. So basically, what uh, we found out is the one of the earliest documented pranks uh, was in the late 15th century, when a man by the name of Thomas Betson, who was a monk at England's Sion Abbey, hollowed out the core of an apple and inserted a large beetle, causing the fruit to rock back and forth. This wasn't the only trick hidden up the monk's tunic. Betson was also a fan of making objects in the monastery levitate using a strand of fine hair and wax. He could suspend a hollow egg in midair. So, wow, his candidate for monkhood probably got taken away. (laughs) 15th century, people were making people scared and... I think it would be a lot easier to do back then because now now we have the whole film thing and then you can just jump to the conclusion that it's been edited or yes very true very true but yes i mean the strands of not back in the old thunderbirds day where you can see the strands of rope and wire yeah. Yeah. attached to the puppets but yeah. wow that wasn't very monk-like of him maybe he was bored <laughs> who knows or, or he was like the guy in um was it van helsing where he's like i'm just a friar oh yeah Dave, david david wenham I think. <laughs> david wenham yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's showing some knowledge back then. Yeah. But wow, 15th century. They were playing jokes. And look at where we've come to. Yeah. We've come <laughs> to convincing I love, I love, kids there's dinosaurs in mountains. I, lo- I also love it when the media gets involved. Oh, yeah. Like the next yeah. one in 1957, the BBC pranked many of its viewers saying that Switzerland was growing spaghetti on trees and they had people picking the spaghetti <laughs> off the trees. Oh. Wow. Well, I, I don't even know what to say to that. It's, I mean, you, I'm pretty gullible, but believing spaghetti grows on trees. Yeah. Back then, 
in fifty in the nowadays I might believe it because of genetically altered, you know, anything. Yeah. You could make trees that grow, you know, cans of drink probably. But yeah. in the fifties, people actually believed that spaghetti was growing on trees. Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Some people are very gullible. But at least the next one is another one of our Australian ones. Um, in nineteen seventy eight, Dick Smith said he was going to moor an iceberg near the Sydney Opera House and then carve the iceberg into small ice cubes, which he would sell to the public for 10 cents each. These well-travelled cubes, fresh from the pure waters of Antarctica, were promised to improve any flavour of any drink they cooled. The cubes would be marked, <laughs> marketed under the brand name Dicksticles. <laughs> oh, wow. But the little element of truth, Dick Smith really did have a, a, have a uh, dream of towing an iceberg from Antarctica to Australia. He thought it would be a great way to provide fresh water for cities such as Adelaide, but most people told him it was a crazy idea. So one of his staff members suggested, why not fake it for April Fool's Day? <laughs> oh, wow. See, I would have believed that. I probably would have even paid the 10 cents for one too and just put it in the freezer in a yeah. box saying, do not use ever. Yeah. But but apparently this, this fake um, iceberg didn't last very long. Like you, it, it just like melted or, or I was going to say the melted. temperature it's something something about it like it just started changing colour or <laughs> going like it was pretty oh, funny no. but, um, going back a couple of years 1976 Patrick Moore an astronomer and charismatic BBC radio host imbued the term leap of faith with a whole new meaning on air, he claimed that at 9.47am on April 1st, Pluto would pass just behind Jupiter, reducing gravity on Earth. If listeners jumped at the right moment, they would float. Wow. <laughs> and I they, if, if he's as charismatic as they say he was. Well, <laughs> you know, they, they say the, the most charismatic people are, you know, radio hosts and cult leaders. So, <laughs> you know, who knows? I might have believed him if I was alive back then, because I'm not that old. <laughs> I might have tried to jump and see if I could float. Why oh, not? Because what have you got to lose? There'd be an element of curiosity. Yeah, look, what have you got to It's not like you're <laughs> giving thousands and thousands of dollars away. you just got to jump and at the right time and hope to see if you float. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, I probably would have F- given that F- one Find a, a place where no one's watching. Yeah, just jump. Yeah. Somewhere preferably without a roof, just in case it was... Oh, no, but you'd want a roof. Because oh, yeah, you don't want to float into space. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. If there's no gravity, there'd be no stopping. <laughs> mm. Maybe 1976. A lot of people were doing a lot of drugs back then, so... And they'd just recently been to the moon, had they not? 69. Yeah. 1969. So, yeah, not even 10 years. So, yeah, I could... Okay, look, I probably would have believed that one. <laughs> I probably would have believed it. Take us to the 5th oh. century. Back the uh, 15th century. No, 5th. Oh, 5th century, I apologise, about a fake earthquake machine. I apologise if I butcher this name. Anthemius of Trolls, a 5th century Greek architect who helped build Istanbul's Hagia Sophia, knew knew his way around a toolbox. So when a feud erupted between him and his neighbour Zeno, and Matthias knew exactly what to do. The architect erected several boilers of water in his house, and connected them to a hose, which he then fed into a small hole leading into Zeno's cellar door next door. According to the 1888 magazine of Western history, when Anthemius desired to annoy his neighbour, he he lit fires under his boilers 
and the steam produced them in rush. Sorry, the steam produced by them rushed in such a quantity with such force under Zeno's floors that they made were made to heave with all the unusual symptoms of an earthquake. <laughs> so he basically had an argument with his neighbour <laughs> and convinced his neighbour that he was there was earthquakes happening yeah. whenever he was I annoyed mean, with that's him. That's pretty elaborate. Imagine if he used his he's used his mind for good. <laughs> what he could have he could have cured cancer perhaps, but no, he just wanted to make his neighbour annoyed with him for making an earthquake. It must have really annoyed him. But it, it would be funny to see his neighbour running out of the house going earthquake, earthquake, and everywhere everyone else is just hmm. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to get him committed or something. Because then, <laughs> if he keeps seeing fake earthquakes, people are going to think he's a bit loony. Yeah, but then back that'd be a bit extreme because it's, it's fifth century. Were oh. they doing lobotomies back then? Probably. <laughs> it's probably death. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, so look, it's, I don't know how I would be able to react to that. I'd probably do a little bit more investigation. But back in the fifth century, there's not really can't really Google. Yeah. What's happening in my basement? Yeah. That's so. Well, there you go. There you go. That's, so that's how. That's now. an example of someone who's yeah. willing to take a neighbourly argument <laughs> to the extremes. Yeah. Um. Now, this one's one of my favourites. The eruption of Mount Edgecombe. Residents of Sitka, Alaska, woke up one morning of April 1st in 1974 to a bright, clear day. They could see right across Sitka Sound to... Sitka Sound to Kruzov Island, where the familiar site of Mount Edgecombe, a volcano dormant for 400 years, loomed. But today, something was different about the view. A menacing plume of black smoke was rising from the crater. It looked like the volcano was uh, preparing to blow. The fake eruption of Mount Edgecombe was a work of a local prankster, 50-year-old Oliver Porky Biker, or Bigger. The idea to ignite the volcano had occurred to him in 1971 as soon as he thought of the idea. He knew he had to do it. So he collected 70 old tyres that he kept in an aeroplane hangar. But he had to wait three years until April Fool's Day, 1974, until the visibility conditions were just right for the prank. That's commitment. That's dedication there. Wow. When he woke up the morning on April 1st, he looked out his window and could see right across the sound. So he looked at his wife, Patty, and said... I have to go do it today. <laughs> she replied, just don't make an ass of yourself. <laughs> he hired a pilot to fly the tyres to the volcano. Uh, after the chopper dropped the first load of tyres into the crater, Porky got out and began stomping the words, April Fool in the snow. As the chopper headed back to the... Uh, yeah, so he wow. did that while he waited for the chopper to, chopper to come back with the second load. Um, now, from, from memory... He called all the police and told them what was, you know, um, going on, and they were all okay with it. But the, I think the first, the person, the only branch of government that he didn't tell was um, the Coast Guard. <laughs> I think, I think they started getting a little freaked out. Oh God! But, imagine um, that. Imagine waking up one day and just going, "Oh, what a view!" Hold on, and seeing <laughs> yeah. smoke bellowing from the volcano. Yeah. Wow. Again, that's dedication. Three years of prep work and never knowing yeah. if you're going to be able to pull it off. Yeah, this this time, yeah. On on because he'd ha- would have had to wait every April Fool's Day. Yeah. So the first three are like nah. Yeah. And then the like the finally he's got the conditions and he would have had to get 
really get onto it really quickly with the tires and the chopper and yeah. everything so quickly just for a little bit of a laugh wow some people are really dedicated yeah. uh, the next one we're going to look at is called Tail Lights for Horses <laughs> on April 1st 1961 in Milan Italy in uh, many people from the surrounding countryside still rode their horses into the city so La Not, a newspaper announced that city authorities, in order to make sure these horses could continue to coexist with motor traffic, had passed a law making it mandatory for horses to be outfitted with signalling and brake lights while being ridden through the street. Many people subsequently bought their horses into car mechanics to have them outfitted with the necessary lights. Wow. And that was in the 60s. So again, yeah. a heavily drug t- drug fuel time, but... Imagine that. Imagine working at a mechanic in Italy and you're just like, it's going to be a slow day today. And you just see 20 horses rock up. <laughs> yeah. Now, would you would you also, if that was me, I'd also sort of give him a voice mechanism. So when they're reversing, just went, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. No. But how were they going to do that? They would have to have a generator <laughs> attached to them somewhere. Yeah, no, a battery probably. Oh, but yeah, like a battery, like yeah, a little. But that would make a but very been big hot batteries. and pump. Yeah, exactly. Oh wow, <laughs> I can just see it in my head. It's like RoboCop meets horses. Yeah. I That's... feel sorry for the mechanics. Oh, because all day they'd be like, Ugh, another one, and all that, and they'd one. be ringing up and going, "Hey, yeah, uh, Mr. <laughs> Government, are we supposed to put this?" <laughs> I wonder if anyone actually, any uh, mechanic actually just did it and was like, eh, and just put connected it all up. Maybe, it all maybe the first one. Like, we'll, we'll, think there's a, we'll find a way to do it. Yeah, and then and then they just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're getting paid, I don't think they'd well, that's and, and they get paid well too. So that I think that'd be interesting. So April first, nineteen fifteen. April Fool's jokes have been happening a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, a British pilot flew over the Lille aerodro- aerodrome which was occupied by Germans, and dropped what appeared to be a huge bomb. The German soldiers down below immediately scattered in all directions, but there was no explosion. After some time, the soldiers crept back gingerly, approached the bomb. They discovered that it was actually a large football with a note tied to it that read, April Fool! (laughs) Godstruff England! (laughs) Godstruff England was a slogan used by the German army during World War I, meaning, May God Punish England! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> its use by the British aviator was evidently meant to be ironic. So he's That's he's in, cool. he's invaded German airspace <laughs> in the middle of the war just to drop a football saying April Fool's Day. Yeah. Wow. And this is a time when no one could have filmed it or monitored it yeah. or watched through yeah. cameras or anything. Yeah. He must have been drunk. <laughs> wow. Or promised alcohol. Or look, yeah, or, or <laughs> hey, yeah, like he's a, we'll give you a month's pay if you do it. Because he could have been shot down at any time. That is dedication to the prank. Yeah. Dedication to the prank. That. It's just like, he very well could have flown over there and just bombed him. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why didn't he just, they just <laughs> give him the football as the first one and then do a second loop when they're looking at the football and then just bomb him anyway? I mean, it could have been that there was. That was the practical joke on the pilot. Said, oh, okay, you got to go drop okay, a bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a twofer. It could, been, it could have been. It could have been. It could have. Yeah, I, I do see that now. Okay, our final one is one from modern times. April the first, two thousand. 
21 years ago. Yeah, it's 20... Oh, wow, 21 years ago. Okay. Uh, The Independent reported that in Florida, Florida researchers had developed a Viagra-like pill to treat sexually frustrated pets, (laughs) including hamsters. Veterinarians were said to have greeted the news with derision, but the article pointed out there were a few things as sad as a pet suffering from feelings of sexual (laughs) inadequacy. (laughs) Noting, it's not unknown for guinea pigs to sit in the cage thinking, hmm, I haven't had sex for months. Am I so unattractive? (laughs) Owners were instructed to simply grind the pills up and sprinkle them into their pet's food. Laying out some newspaper down on the floor once the pills began to take effect for good times as advertised. The pills were to be marketed under the name of Pheromone. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, if you're a dog owner, you know that dogs will just yeah. hump anything. Yeah. So I don't think I would have believed that. And isn't the idea nowadays mainly to make sure your pets are de yeah. so I'm that sure they don't? Unless you're a breeder, okay. But breeders probably would have known better. But oh, yeah. a hamster... <laughs> A hamster. I wonder, yeah. what year was Richard Gere involved in that thing with the guinea pig? Was that 2000? I can't remember. Maybe that's where it stemmed from. Maybe it was around that time where, because they specifically mentioned hamsters. Yeah. I was a gerbil for Richard gerbil, Gere, yeah. so I was. I apologise. Oh, same thing. Yeah, same species. Pretty much. Yeah. So, but, wow. Um, wow. All I know about the two, year 2000 is that Silverchair still hasn't made it up to us. <laughs> We had threats of we had threats of losing our internet, and they're still they're still not making. I still it up remember to that, like everyone the was freaking about the Y two K mug, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. Yeah, all the all the money spent on precautions and and backups and yeah. all this kind of thing just scared people. I remember oh, an episode of My Name Is Earl. Mm-hmm. Whether all whether it's year two thousand or so, I think it was the you know and they're worried about the Y two K, and then they all stay up to watch it or something and then they they pass out yeah and they wake up and then every, there's, there's no one in town and like they're going oh no it happened we're all dead or, or whatever and then they go looting and then they they break into the the um supermarket like like Bed Bath and Beyond or yeah. whatever whatever that place was they go there to live there and then they go they go to bed in the comfy beds and then they wake up in the morning and everyone's shopping <laughs> because it's a public holiday <laughs> no one's going no, to, no, no one's going exactly. to work exactly oh god that <laughs> would be look my only successful Y2K would have been go to sleep on December 31st wake up Skynet yeah that's it Age of the Terminators. Yeah. That's the only thing that would have impressed me. Yeah, but we woke up, our computers were fine, our data was fine, planes yeah. didn't fly up, fall out of the sky, ATMs didn't give us more money than what we were owed. Yeah, it's just it's another case shock of horror. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But but yeah, that's all the the practical jokes we have. From feel free to yeah. let us know, send yeah. us an email. If you've had any practical jokes, and we might even share it on... We might do a special episode with people who have emailed in stories yeah. on the first 10 episodes or something, and we'll read them out. Get, get us enough. So um, send your stories to the true and the fictional at gmail.com. We would love to hear any story you've got, as long as it's not morbidly sad. <laughs> and uh, we will see you next time.